0: Overflow Podcast. We pray that you are encouraged with this message. For more information, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow app or visit our website at OverflowDFW.com.
1: Yeah, so in this series, we have been talking about like the map, the fuel, the guide, the compass. And so today, I'm going to be speaking about the traveler. That's, um, let me tell you a story about a man. This man wasn't like any other man. He came from a place far away, and he ended up coming to earth. Don't give it away. All right, so this man, he is in our world, and he's trying to fit in, but he's different. And as he started growing up, he starts seeing these signs where where he's not like everyone else. He's not part of us. He's not uh, identified with us. He's different. So as he's getting older, he actually starts seeing, like, physical signs that he's you know, a lot stronger, and he can fly, and all sorts of stuff. So he, out of his confusion about who he is, he asks his, his, his dad, or who he thought was his dad, and his dad's like, Clark, you're not from here. You're, you're not one of us. And so that started him on his journey. So he journeyed, and in this journey, he ended up finding his secret place where he actually met his real father, is the Fortress of Solitude. So when he's in the secret place, he starts talking to his dad, and he starts talking, you know, uh, asking him, like, where am I from? Like, what am I? (laughs) And stuff, and in this conversation, his dad starts telling him, like, look, your real name is Kal-El, and you're from planet Krypton. And I sent you to Earth so you could do great things. And so at this moment, when... Clark, or, or um, kal met his father and heard from him, knowing who he was, that changed his life forever. That gave him um, an identity. He, it gave him a purpose in his life. He, it altered his journey, in a sense. And so, along our journeys, we need to find ourselves, because just like the Israelites who were in a journey, the exodus, from a position of, of um, slavery to a position of freedom, in that journey... They didn't know who they were. They lost themselves. So a journey that could have taken them like seven days took them like 40 years because they kept on thinking in their heads like, oh, I'm still a slave. I'm still a slave. The Lord provides, but no, I want I want meat. I don't want manna. I want to go back. They took care of us back in Egypt. So they really struggled with their identity. And it was only up until a uh, group of... Um, Joshua and his gang, that um, they started speaking this identity. He's like, no, we are the promised people. That is our land. We're going to there. And it's only at that point where when they finally took over, where they started walking in who they actually were. And there was a set of free people, people set free from slavery. So I want to read Matthew 16. And it says, when Jesus came to the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he said to his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then he asked, But well, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter responded, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. So pause there for a minute. Peter, this guy who's been journeying with, with Jesus... For quite some time answers this question he doesn 't answer it according to what other people say. he answers it according to what he he knows and the lord re- and Jesus replies, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. You see in this world, everyone 's going to try to tell us who we are they 're going to try to tell us uh, where we belong, uh, what social class we, we need to be." Um, certain circumstances are going to try to identify us in life. They're going to be like, oh, no, you, you don't belong there. You're bound for failure. You're not going to be a great f- father or, or mother or, or just a family. These different things try to identify us. But the moment that we find through our journey, um, you know, following the word, the guide, uh, the Holy Spirit, we need to find God as part of it and when we find god that is when we actually know who we are and that can give us our final destination per se (laughs) no no pun all right um so yeah so in this journey like i said people are always going to try to identify us it happens from the moment we're born uh the doctors are going to start saying oh he's abnormal he's not going to be a normal kid he's going to grow up to be um 13 years old and he's going to start acting funky or whatever or um like in elementary or high school people start identifying us by our our friend groups or whatever and you know there's this, um there's a saying in spanish says um dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres it says um tell me who you're with and I'll tell you who you are and i believe that's pretty pretty true in certain ways but uh not completely, because a lot of us put on like this fake person, they put, we put on this mask, we, we, this charade, this facade, about who we are really, just so we can please other people, when really, the only person we should be pleasing is God. So I'm going to continue reading. It says, "And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it." So Peter find, he acknowledges like, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, I didn't tell you this. They didn't tell you this. But my, God, my, my dad told you this. God told you this. And so in that process, Peter has a new identity. He's no longer um, Simon. He is now Peter, Petra, the rock, on which this church is going to be built. So God alters his identity, giving him a new pathway, per se, a new journey, a new destination. It's like, this is what you're going to be doing. And God has a special name for you guys. If you grew up being like the guy who never did anything right, you're going to be a failure, you're going to be a failure. The moment you find God, he's telling you, you, you're going to do great things. I have so, an amazing plan for you. And now that you have found me, I'm walk. I'm going to lead you in that. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, you will, um, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, will be loosed in heaven. So he has this new identity, and he also has this new authority because now he is with the Lord, the God-given name and um, authority that has been given to him. And the thing is, God is outside of time. He knew this from the very start. Uh, Jeremiah four says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in this womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And this is Old Testament, right? So Peter knew this. He had read the same verse. And some people think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. It's Old Testament. (laughs) But Peter read this very same verse, and knowing this, having this knowledge, he came into fulfillment of it when he found God. And when we find God is when we find ourselves. See, there's a difference between knowing who you are and actually believing it. Because Simon Peter knew this, but he didn't actually believe it up until Jesus told him. That's when his identity was switched and he could walk in the fullness of it, the fullness of his new self, the fullness of his identity. And I believe that in our journeys, God has something very similar for each and every one of us. Um, personally, this is something I really, like, identify with. Um, i had been kind of walking with the Lord for a bit, and, um, it was really at, at, um, like, two or three years into it, and I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go to church, I'm gonna be a good Christian, I'm gonna serve and, and do as much as I can to help out, but, uh, I had an encounter with the Lord. I found him in my secret place. And I realized, like, Jesus is much more than just a name or a word. I found who he really is to me. And that might be different for each and every one of us. I mean, it will be different because he is personal for everyone. And in that moment is when I realized, okay, I am destined to do this. This is what God called me to do. I'm now directing my journey, my path towards that. And so your identity is actually the blueprint God had for you when he made you. Because he had this all planned. And you may believe it, or you may know this, but it changes when you actually believe it. And um, I went from being this kid who was thinking about dropping out of high school to sell drugs for a living. And, uh, but when I found the Lord... He gave me a new a new person I was a new person, and you know and the Bible says like all things are made new in Christ, and that means you it doesn't mean all things are renovated, all things are um, made like looked new it means all things are made new that means like the old person is completely done, and it's a brand new creation that comes up in place of it so i don't know if, if uh through this journey, some of you guys are um, struggling with, like, your past or or just negative things. People start speaking into your life. But today, I just want to tell you guys that that's a lie and that God has something great for each and every one of you. And that when you find that moment with the Lord and he reidentifies you, you will have a pretty straightforward um, path in your journey. And it will be obvious and it will be, like, the best journey you could ever um, be on. So... Um, for the rest of the um, the morning, I'm pass it down to Dalton and then Emlyn, and then um, we'll all just kind of conclude at the very end here. So um, thank you for listening to me, and I hope you guys got something out of it, so uh, let's pass it over to, to Dalton, pass the baton.
0: Thanks, Daniel. So um, in this journey about talking about our journey with God, I just wanted to go over Obviously, Daniel went over kind of like what our part is, like our part is to, you know, find ourselves and God helps us with that. I just wanted to go over God's part um, and his faithfulness in this journey, because he is so he has this way of working his promises out just in a way that we can never explain. Because, like Daniel said, he sees the end from the beginning, so he knows how it's going to end. He has a way of working it for us. And, uh, you know, in the word, it says in Isaiah, um, chapter 40, verse eight it says this is god talking to isaiah and he's talking about himself and he says the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our god stands forever and you know i don't know if you guys have been told this i don't know maybe you don't know this but every it says in the bible that god forms you in your womb and it says that that he has a plan for you before he forms you and uh he actually really does and just like in isaiah 40 verse 8 says it, it's um it never fades, it never changes, and uh I feel like the same way for me when I was born, God had a purpose for my life, He had a plan for me, um he knew what I was going to do, and I believe that it was the the verse the word if you could say that it was a specific word for my life was found in ephesians eleven or sorry switch that Ephesians six verse eleven and twelve it says, Put on the full armor of God' that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So you see, I believe through that word that I was supposed to be, or sorry, I believe that when God made me, he made me to be um, a wrestler per se. I don't wrestle, obviously. But... um, (laughs) He made me he made me to fight spiritual battles. He didn't make me to, you know, he made me to fight spiritual battles to save people, to fight against the enemy for, you know, the spiritual well-being of people. And uh I believe the enemy knew that when when I was formed and he took he took that word that I was supposed to be a wrestler for people's lives and he switched it in my in the way that I viewed my life because when I grew up, I didn't really have the best father figure. He wasn't really I don't know really the word to say, but he wasn't the best father figure. Let's leave it at that. And uh, so instead of taking it like, oh, God, I know my dad was bad, but you're awesome. I took it as, you know, my dad's bad. Therefore, this father God must be pretty bad, too. And uh, so instead of fighting these spiritual battles for people's well-being, I ended up fighting physically against people for the enemy's well-being, basically. And, you know, I took out my anger in a lot of ways that I shouldn't have and it ended up costing me a lot in my in my younger years because I would go to school, I would go to church, I would go home, I would go to the playground and everywhere I went I found somebody to fight. I found somebody to either beat up or get beat up by and it costed me a lot. It costed me like I feel like I wasted a lot of time in that in that in that place. And uh it happened like I said, uh church, at home, at school. It got to the point where I was you know, you know how you have like the in-school suspension thing. They like reserved me a seat and like had my name on the desk because I wouldn't even like it w- didn't even make it to class before they would just send me there. And it was just like, you know, let's just send Dalton there so he doesn't he doesn't have to be around any other kids and maybe get in trouble. Let's just send him there. So I wasn't allowed to be around a lot of people when I was a kid, and you know, which is totally different now, by the way. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I wasn't allowed to be around a lot of people and they just kind of, when you're in, when you're all by yourself, you feel like everybody's giving up on you, you know, you, you stare at a wall all day and you're the only person you get to talk to and for, you know, ever since I started school until like sixth grade, I was in that classroom by myself, doing my own work, not really talking to anybody except for outside of school. So I felt like everybody had given up on me and even at church, I did the same thing, I They would send me to this kids ministry, sitting around all these kids, and I would just, you know, go off on them and ended up that they would send me to the pastor's office to sit all alone. And then the pastor was, he was so awesome, though. Like, he knew how to fit, he knew how to relate to me in such a way because I would sit in his office alone until after service, and he'd come come over to me and he'd pray with me, which I hated. And he, he gave me, like, candy and soda and, you know, all the kids' stuff that they love. And, uh, you know, he had this way of – he showed me love, even though I hated him. He showed me love. And it really didn't affect me, I thought. Um, And then, you know, that had been happening my whole life. And then I remember one day I – basically what happened was I fought my teacher, which is not a good idea because they finally sent me to class, and I'd never seen my teacher before, and I realized I didn't like him. And so he started – we – Basically, I started the argument, and he was finishing the argument, and then I physically uh, assaulted my teacher, and what happened, I got sent to the principal's office, and a police officer came, and he told me, he said these words, he said, if you don't stop what you're doing right now, this time next year, you'll be in a juvenile detention center. And I remember when he said that, I already felt like everybody had given up on me, because I was all alone every day, and... When he said that to me, it's like I gave up on myself. Not that I really had much hope for myself, but when he said juvenile detention center, those words just like hit me like, this is the kind of place I'm going to live my life out of all the time. Like It's going to go from there to jail to prison, and I'm just going to live out of these kind of places because this is the kind of guy I am. And uh, But when he said that, like I said, I felt like everybody had given up on me, but really looking back on it, I had three people that, that stayed faithful, that that knew that God had a plan for me was was passionate about seeing it come to pass. My mom, my pastor, like I said, and one of the volunteers of the kids' ministry never ever gave up on me. Every time that I got in trouble, every time that I fought a kid, every time that I, you know, was, you know, violent, they would like as they were holding me back in these fights, they took that as an opportunity to like lay their hand on me and say, say a quick prayer under their breath so I couldn't hear because if I heard I would have got mad. And, uh, so, you know, and if my mom was having a rough day, she'd pick up the phone and call one of them and just say, you know, Dalton's having a rough day. Can you please pray for me? And they would have a quick prayer on the phone then she'd hang up and then, you know, she'd hope for the best. And they never, ever gave up on a change. They never, ever gave up on me coming to know Jesus as somebody who could change me. And, uh, so anyway, like I said, I got the news that I was going to be going to a juvenile detention center if I didn't change. So... I took that as an opportunity to not change, and I went out to my backyard. And you ever just you ever just see a kid like go on a rampage? Like they don't have any, any you know, like set goal. They're just like flipping stuff over and like, you know, kicking stuff and like punching trees. And that, that's what I was going on. So I went to my backyard and I was like doing all this. And I remember I there was like a stack of you know those pallets that people like you move stuff with. I don't know why we had a stack of those. It was probably like this high and. I was a little guy and I picked it up from the bottom and I was like, and then I got fire ants all over me and I was like (laughs) scraping them off. And I remember instead of taking that time to stop, I took that time to like, I looked at, I remember I looked at the sky. and I was like, you know, blaming God for everything that happened to me, even though I was the one who made the choice to fight. I was the one who made the choice to be angry. But when you're a kid, you feel like it's everybody else's fault. So I blamed him and I thought I told him that I never want anything to do with him and that he was terrible and that, um, you know, he was a, just, you know, that he sucked basically is what I was saying. And uh, so then I remember I just went inside, went to my room and fell asleep. And then a few weeks later, I went to youth group for the first time. And uh, like I said, everybody at church knew who I was because I was always getting kicked out. So I went to youth group and I sat in the back, like like right where that green bench is, or uh, it's not a bench, a stool. Wherever that green stool is is where I would have sat, and I remember the pastor, it was a brand new pastor, his first night, my first night, and he he was saying the gospel, and he said, you know, there's a lot of you that have taken life wrong and have been dealt bad cards and all this, and he was saying stuff like that, and then at the end of the time, he didn't really have an opportunity for people to go up or anything like that. He just kind of said it, and then he said, if you want to pray, if you want to accept Jesus, come to me after service, and I'll pray with you, talk with you, all that. And so he said it, and, like, I, I wanted to jump out of my seat when I was back there, and I never heard anything like it. Well, it was probably because I wasn't listening, but I never heard anything like it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you know, I need to talk to this guy. I, never, I don't even know his name. So I went up to him, and I was like, hey, man, because I didn't know his name. And uh, I was like, hey, man, I, I really just want to talk to you. Like, you, I really want to accept what you said after service, or what you said to do after service. And he said, okay, and he took me, like, if, if that's it, he would have took me in the hallway where the bathrooms are. And, uh, he prayed with me and just like talked to me and I cried my eyes out. Like I'd never cried before ever. And, uh, cried my eyes out and just like totally surrendered my life to the Lord and totally, uh, you know, totally surrendered my life to the Lord and, and believed that he was a God that could change me and that he was, and that he wasn't, you know, like my dad who was unfaithful, that he was faithful and that he, uh, had a plan for me and, uh, you know, as soon as I said yes to Jesus, that whole anger thing, that whole my life sucks thing, that whole it was all God's fault thing, it all left me in like in an instant. And I remember I just didn't feel angry anymore. I didn't want to go on a rampage. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, hurt a kid's face. I didn't want to go off on anybody. I just wanted, I just wanted people to know what I knew. You know, I just wanted people to know that that God was different than whatever you've had. And, uh So the next day, I went to school, and, uh, you know, you ever notice, like, as soon as God does something in your life, the enemy has, like, an opportunity, like, almost right after to totally wreck it? So I went to school, and uh, one of the, like, arch nemesis, I guess you could say, came up to me, and he was, like, antagonizing me. I was, like, 13, and we were, I I remember we were, like, in the classroom, and he was, like, he was, like, you know, I don't want to say the words that he was saying, because they're not clean, but he said, he was like saying all this stuff, and he pushed me, and then he punched me in the eye, and I was just like this, and he punched me in the eye, and I was like, and then the teacher broke it up, and I just like, I just didn't want to, you know, I I was just over it, and everybody that I knew that was, uh, I had like two friends, but everybody that I knew that was close to me was like, Dalton, why didn't you fight him? Like, what are you doing? Like, he punched you in the eye, you had every right, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, Jesus is, I gave, a, what I said exactly was, I met this guy, his name's Jesus, and he makes me happy. That's what I said. And so, when, <laughs> when you're 13, you don't have a very big vocabulary for stuff like that. So, um, you know, God turned me from wrestling against people, from taking his word the wrong way, and taking my life the wrong way, and he put it back in line, because like it said, his word for your life will never fail, it will never change and I just wanted to tell you know I just wanted to share that with you guys because God has a word for your lives too. It might not be Ephesians six, eleven and twelve It might not be um I don't know it might not even be a very popular word, but it is a word that He has for you and it it was and it's in this Bible it might not be in this particular Bible, but it's in the Bible you read, you can find words in here that apply for your life, like I found that word, and as soon as I read it, I knew that that's why I was here and uh God has a word for you, and He has promises for you. And he has this way of you know when you have no intention of following him, when you have no intention of of coming into his say say his promise for you is that that you sorry like like Daniel said that you'll be a prophet to the nations that that uh that word he has this way, even if you have no intention of following him, he has this way of bringing you in through people's prayers and through their faith and through through uh through his own word that never fails. He has this way of taking your decisions and your life and working it to move. Like the Bible says, it says he works all things together for the good. So if you're sick, God didn't put that on you, but he will work it out for the good. God didn't put the anger inside of me. Uh, he didn't put the, the the want to fight people on the inside of me, but he worked it out for the good to make me into what he had for me. And uh, I also want to encourage you guys that even when all hope is lost, even when like the people you're praying for, the people, maybe even yourself that you've lost all hope or you've lost all hope for them. God has this way of being so funny because I had no intention of doing what I'm doing today. I had no intention of ever. I mean, as soon I had this plan that as soon as I was 18, I was going to leave and I was never going to come back to church because my mom would make me go every single day. And, uh, but he has this way of just just taking um taking these situations that seem hopeless, taking these situations that seem like they've lost all life, and he has this way of being faithful to the word that he has and just working it man and he's he's so good at it, and I just wanted to remind us of of how faithful God is in our journey that that no matter what decisions you've made or what what times you've failed or you know um um uh, no, sorry. no matter what decisions you made or the times you've failed or the things that you've done wrong, he's so faithful to his promise that says he'll never leave you and that he'll work everything out for your good. And uh, I just wanted to remind you of his faithfulness and uh, on the journey. And now I just want to bring up Emlyn to wrap it up with uh, um, what he's got to share. So thank you guys. Thank
2: you. All right. So... We had Daniel speaking about your identity. We have Dalton speaking about God's faithfulness, and I want to speak about finding the will of God uh, for your life along your journey. Uh, we have uh, we have a way that we describe something in Christianity. We call it our Christian walk, and I take a I don't know I I take I, I take offense of that almost because I I, I look at a walk. As like what my mom and dad do when they pretend they're exercising, you know, they, 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 go out. Oh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go exercise, and really and truly, they're just, they're just kind of outside. They're really not doing anything. But uh, a, our, 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 you know, our walk with Christ is not boring. It's not, it's not geriatric exercise. It is, a, it is a, a journey. Uh, it is a journey. So, what is a journey? Well, a journey has a starting point a journey has an ending point and a journey has activity along the way you know they can be good things can happen to you they can be bad things can happen to you i just got back from asia and let me tell you that was a that was a journey but um we we had a starting point you know of uh, of september of 2014 for our destination to get to Asia, summer 2015. And there was a lot of work that goes along the way. A lot of people came into our life. A lot of people went out of our life. We had to ask some people to leave our life because they were detrimental to our team. But, but along that journey, a lot of things happened. And I just want to share one particular thing that happened at the end of the journey. Uh, my boss is a woman of God, a prophetess to the nations. She's uh, almost 70. Uh, but she takes the trip, uh, she takes our team to Asia. And when she gets to Asia, we go and we do the whole trip. And then at the end of the trip, she takes a few people on to Indonesia. And well, so Sharon, she took the team on to Indonesia, and it was my job to take the rest of the team, 15 more guys, back to Dallas, okay? So she leaves me in charge. I have the money. I have the plan. We we have to take two buses from this from this uh, town in Malaysia. I have to transfer bus, buses at, at this one one place, and everything's in Bahasa. You have no idea what's what's being said. You know the people who do speak English don't speak great English. You know, uh, but. So we finally get back to Penang. I get everybody back to penang we're We're checked into the hotel for the night. We're leaving at five o'clock in the morning for the airport so we we eat dinner. I get everybody back home we're packed up. everybody's suitcases are weighed. this is finally going to be you know i'm finally going to just get everybody on the plane through customs and so we get to the airport and uh and we're behind a a line of like 200 people in white, dressed all in white. It's so strange. But they were actually Buddhists going on a Buddhist retreat. But so we get to the airport, and one young man walks up to me, one young man on my team, and he says, All right, Emlyn, don't get mad. But I think I left my passport on the bus. I said, Okay. (laughs) So I just I just need to make this uh, make this clear. In Malaysia, it is against the law to not have your passport on you. Punishable by imprisonment, by imprisonment, okay? So we're in Malaysia and uh, and he comes to me with this uh, with this revelation, you know, and uh, and so I I try to get in touch with Sharon Hobbs, and uh, I I love Sharon Hobbs. Her uh, practical advice to me was stand still and see the salvation of our Lord, you know, and uh, so. <laughs> so Finally, 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 I, I, I call this pastor six hours away, and I have him get in touch with the local pastor. He gets in touch with the bus company. They find the passport. Anyway, I have to leave the guy in, in Malaysia, but he finally he joins up with us in Bangkok. But I, I share that story to express the point that a journey is exciting. A journey is not, is not just a little walk. So when we're talking about our Christian walk, when we're talking about our journey with God, it's exciting. It's exciting because, because God has placed things in your life for you to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I've been reading this verse over and over for the last few weeks. Uh, it's, just, it's just really spoken to me. Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship say that with me I am God's workmanship I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them God created you but he didn't just create you he created things for you to walk into so When we're on our journey, when we're talking about this whole series, was finding the will of God for your life. But when we're on our journey, we're walking into the things that God has placed before us to do. Now, that can be hard to grasp because life is full of disappointments, life is full of situations and circumstances that just don't come out the way you think that they should come out. You know? But life's disappointments can be opportunities for divine appointments if you allow them to. And I see this. So evident in my own journey Now I just want to share a little bit of my Testimony with you but for, for you to understand This I got I to gotta go back just a minute Just, just a minute and say That uh, I started doing drugs At the age of 11 I was a, a Full blown heroin addict in my 20s I was about to go to prison for 10 years and at the age of 25 I got sent to a place called Teen Challenge uh, Which is a uh, Residential drug and alcohol treatment center For adults you live there for a year They say Jesus is the answer Jesus is the way. You need Jesus bad, and so I met the Lord there, and I gave my heart to Him, and He set me free from my my lifelong drug addiction. And so, in this place, in, while I was there, I felt a call to go to ministry, and I wanted to be trained, and I wanted to be trained uh, at the, one of the best places in the world. I wanted to be trained at Christ for the Nations Institute. So, I so I get to the end of my year at Teen Challenge. And I'm sitting here trying to decide what's next, and I say, "Christ for the Nations is what's next for me." Yes, Christ for the Nations, Christ for the Nations, Christ for the Nations. But you know what? I was still on felony probation in Alabama. <laughs> I uh, I had absolutely no money. I had no car. I had nothing. So for me, for I wanted to come. I wanted to leave right out of Teen Challenge, go to Christ for the Nations, but that it just didn't work out. You know, and man, was that disappointing. That was really, really crushing for me Um, because, you know, you're just on fire. You're ready to go take the world for God. And you're just and then, you know, you have to say, well, I can't do it yet. So what did I so what did I do? I um, I moved in with my grandmother who uh, and my aunt. My grandmother was uh, she was kind of in the process of transitioning into death. And uh, my aunt was her sole caregiver, and my aunt is a 60-year-old lady. And, you know, can't really, I mean, they couldn't really do a whole lot. So they were like, well, come in and move with us, and, uh, you know, you can you can pay your rent by taking out the garbage and cutting grass. And I'm like, okay. And then I started uh, working at the Teen Challenge that I went through for a whopping $50 a week. That's how much I got paid. But, but I said, okay, you know. If this is what if this is what God has, has put in my life, this is what I'm gonna do. So I I just I just started I just started doing the next thing that I needed to do. And and sometimes that was cutting grass, sometimes that was going to teen challenge, working all weekend long, then having to be back there on Monday. And this allowed so many things to get settled in my life. I uh I got off of felony probation, and I actually went from a place where uh, the court was sending me to Teen Challenge to where I was calling the court for Teen Challenge, and I remember calling up uh, the um, the secretary for my judge, and uh, if you think a judge is scary, a judge's secretary is way scarier, and uh, her name was Leslie, and uh, I, I called her Judge Wilter's little pit bull because she was just like intense, and I, I had to call her up one day and I said, Hi Leslie, this is Emily Bailey with Teen Challenge. She goes, Oh, Emlyn Bailey, our one success story. You know, that that's not that's not a big deal to anybody, but that was huge for me to know that to know that I was I was that court's one success story that they had seen really take hold of what they had tried to do for me, because they did a lot for me. And then the next thing that, that really I, I walked into is that I was there to help my grandmother die. Now, um, I don't know if anybody has been around somebody who's died, but the, but you don't die instantaneously. If you're dying from old age, it's really a, a, a downhill slope, and she got to the point where she couldn't get herself up, and so we would have to bring the, the toilet into the living room, you know, the little portable toilet, and I'd have to pick her up and put her on the toilet and then pick her back, back off and everything, and, you know she would wake up in the middle of the night and fall and I would uh my aunt would come and and get me and I would go in there and I'd and I'd pick Grandma up you know and I was there to help her in her time that she needed me there and after she passed away I mean it was sad but it was it was a relief you know because I know that how how much she was in pain and my aunt came my other aunt came to help my Help my aunt Teddy kind of go through my grandma's stuff, and she called me. She asked me to come home from work today, to, one day, to help her take some stuff to Goodwill. And as I'm taking the stuff to Goodwill, she's like, "You have no idea how much I appreciate you being here. And um, I know that you have stuff that you want to want to do and with your life, and you kind of put that on hold to be here. And I know you don't have a car, so I want to give you some money to get the down payment of a car." And uh, I don't know, I have a 2012 Mazda 2 out there, uh, Ruth, um, that is that is, that that the only reason I have that car is because my aunt gave me that money to put the down payment on that car. You know, that's another good work that God had before me to walk in. And then the last thing I want to touch on is I worked for a tough boss, man, let me tell you. You want to talk about a disappointing boss. This guy was it, you know, promise things that he doesn't deliver, uh, you know, make you work hard hours. And this is a guy who's the head of a Christian organization, you know. But what what that really did for me, it was it helped me develop faithfulness and perseverance and all these other qualities that God needed to put in me so that when I got to Christ for the nations, I would be able to walk in what God had for me and doors were open for me. Because I had waited a year it's it's just it's just amazing how the the opportunities like i I have a job on campus now that had I gotten here a year earlier would not have been available you know but i but God knew it all, and along that journey along the the circuitous route I took to get to Christ for the nations that there was things for me to do. Things for God to do in my life. And there's things for God to do in your life as you're walking along there. Life's disappointments, life's speed bumps, life's uh, detours can be opportunities for you to experience God and experience what God wants you to do. But we must be careful because the enemy wants you to fall. 1 Peter eight says, be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to devour when I was helping my grandmother um, uh, transition into death, um, you know, I had just been set free from drug addiction to pain medicine. That was what I was addicted on. And I would come home from work, and I'd be like, Grandmom, uh, can I help you go to the bathroom? She goes, well, I need, I need my pain medicine first. And I'd have to go in there and get a bottle of pain pills this big and bring them out there to her. And I, and I remember one specific time I heard the enemy speak to me, say, nobody's going to know. I mean she would never know that there's so many in there she'd never know. You're you're not on probation anymore, you're not getting drug tested at your work very often. You could do that, and I said, No. I've been set free from that. Why would I go back to it? You know. It's the enemy wants to derail you, but it's but it's so easy to resist him. I mean it says the Bible says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the last point I have is we're talking about the will of God, and people try to make the will of God this, like, great, distant, far-off concept. Like, it's just like, I'm just trying to find the will of God for my life. I'm just trying to see where. But, man, I have found this verse, and I have told this verse to so many people. And, and it's just, it was, it, was, it was just so revolutionary to me when I, just, when, I, when I realized this. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. says, trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If you're doing, if you're trusting in the Lord, if you're leaning not on your own understanding, if you're acknowledging him in all your ways, then he's going to direct your path. It doesn't say that he picks you up and places you on this one particular path that he has for you to walk on, that you've got to walk the straight and narrow line, or you're going to miss what God has for you. No, it says he's going to direct whatever path you're on. If you're doing A, B, and C, then it doesn't matter what path you're taking, because God's going to direct it. You know. And people say, well, I just don't know what I want to do after Christ for the nations. And I say, well, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It doesn't matter what path you take. He's going to direct it. So the will of God is not some distant, far off, unreachable concept. The will of God is practical. The will of God is obtainable. The will of God is the good works that God has prepared before you so that you just walk in them. So as we're closing this journey series today, we just... We wanted to pray for everyone. We if you want if you wanted to receive prayer. And and we're just gonna we're just gonna pray, but we're talking about the will of God here. And the will of God is you walking out this journey with him. You know, it says the Bible says this is eternal life, that they know God and him whom he sent. The will of God in your life is for you to know Jesus.